the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Coast and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. In addition to our weekly free show that you know and love, we have now launched Magic Markets Premium, a weekly show for our subscribers in which we give detailed analysis on global stocks. Every premium show is accompanied by a report covering the company's strategic drivers, its operating environment, its competitors, bull versus bear case, technical trading indicators, and a long-term investment thesis. At just 99 Rand per month, we are committed to making institutional-level analysis affordable for all investors and traders. Visit magic-markets.com to go premium and unlock your full potential in the markets. This podcast is brought to you by Tribe South Africa, your gateway to the JC and global markets. Providing an in-depth online trading experience, Tribe exists to empower progression. You can simply and securely trade and invest in JC and US stocks, as well as leveraged products, or invest in tax-free savings accounts. Visit tribe.co.za to find out more or follow them on social media at tribe underscore SA. Welcome to episode 112 of Magic Markets. We made it off our Nelson. For those of you watching cricket, we were worried last week that we might not, but uh, secretly we knew we would. Mo, I don't know how much cricket you've been watching. We've had some pretty good cricket down in South Africa with this SA20 series. One of the few things we're getting right at the moment down here. So we celebrate the wins that we can. Yeah, indeed, Ghost. I haven't quite transitioned into the uh, North American sports. I know it was Super Bowl weekend and the Americans do it with all the you know, the bang and bluster and the, the fanfare that you expect, uh, but certainly not uh, not getting a lot of cricket up here just because being in a different time zone sometimes makes it a little trickier. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been uh, it's been interesting and I think our guest today is also an interesting guest as well. So I, go, I don't know, Ghost, if you want to maybe introduce who we're speaking to this week. Indeed. Marius Krobler, welcome to the show. You are the COO of Tribe South Africa. Our listeners have met Travis Robson, who is the CEO of Tribe South Africa. They've had a good opportunity to kind of find out about you guys coming into this market. And I think, I can't remember if it was on the Ghost Stories podcast or on the Magic Markets one, but either way, at one point, Travis said, you know, he's brought, the most important thing for him was to get a right-hand man as early as possible. Um, I'm guessing you are that right-hand man. Hi, Ghost. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. It's great being with you guys on the show. And uh, yes, that's definitely me. So I've joined Travis uh, with this business expedition from the first day, and it's been a great journey so far. So you didn't waste any time in getting a right-hand man. I'm quite jealous, actually. It's not often that you can do that in a business. You are normally your own right-hand man for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I know, Definitely. Look, it's really been a great journey with Travis. I've always looked for the right opportunity to work with him. And uh, when this opportunity presented itself, I was definitely not going to let it slip. So here I am. And uh, yeah, we're building a great business. We're about 20 staff so far. And we're doing our best every day. Yeah, Marius, I mean, I was, I was quite fascinated. I want to kind of share it with our, our listeners. Just before we came on air, started uh, recording this podcast, you were telling us that, you know, you, you come from the West Rand. Uh, it's something that resonated with me because I'm someone who grew up in the West Rand, up in, in Gauteng as well. So maybe if you can just give us a little bit of background, you know, you know who is Marius Krobler? Where does Marius Krobler come from? You know, we, I, I knew Travis very well. We had kind of worked together before, but I think let's maybe introduce Marius Krobler to our listeners uh, with maybe a bit of background and how you landed up at Tribe. Yeah, sure. So it's been quite an interesting journey over the past couple of years. I've mainly worked on private equity projects for the past five years. We've mainly focused on fintech investments. 
And, you know, this really allowed me to work very closely with CEOs and key individuals. That really allowed me to observe and execute different business models. So, in a nutshell, over the past few years, I've worked with a number of local and global firms in setting up newly established regulated entities in South Africa, right? So my main focus is to validate, structure, and execute business models. And it brings me great pleasure to add Trive into my portfolio of companies. And it's really great doing it with Travis. So this is the real nuts and bolts stuff. You know, when we talk about as investors, we talk about stuff like fintech. You know, it's very easy to say. Uh, it's not so easy to do. And it's really interesting that you kind of find yourself at the coalface of that. Maybe coalface is not the greatest term in the context of tech. You know, that's a very old school energy. But I mean, it sounds like you've done a few of these and it, it must be incredibly interesting. And it must be something that changes all the time, right? Yeah, 100%. Guys. I mean, there's a lot of dynamic moving parts of a broker. It constantly changes. You know, the client only sees the trading front end, but there's really a ton of different dynamic moving parts in the back end happening within a broker. So, you know, we always follow adaptive market hypothesis, meaning we always adapt to market conditions. Uh, you know, there's a saying, if you don't adapt in the market conditions, you'll die out. I think that's important, right? I mean, Marius, I, I know from your background, this is not your, let's call it not your first rodeo. I'm going to use kind of more North American terminology. It's not your first rodeo. You've done your time at brokers down in South Africa. You know, you've kind of had that experience. And now I guess the opportunity to take that experience and build it out into a new business. I mean, we've spoken to Tribe, we've spoken to Travis, you know, very much this era of tech-driven solutions in the market. I think Tribe looking to effectively play in that space. But I think when we look at where you are in the business, building Tribe as you are right now, how much of your focus would you say is on building the back end as you kind of referred to it in your comment? How much of that is the back end, building the architecture that supports the business versus kind of just, you know, setting up the business to kind of, a run-of-the-mill operating procedure, uh, ticking the regulatory boxes. And then I guess the thing that we covered with Travis a lot was the interface with clients. That's something that I also want to touch on here because technology has changed how we interface with clients. Travis referred to, for example, telephone broking. How much of your focus goes into these different aspects of, I guess, Tribe as a business that we've come to, to know following our discussions with Travis? Yeah, I mean, sure, Mo. I think it goes hand in hand, right? Operations and technology goes hand in hand within a brokerage. So we allocate a lot of our energy on both of these components. So we see ourselves as a multi-asset investment platform and technologies holding company. We focus a lot on technology. Uh, we've got a dedicated technology team sitting in Europe called Trive Technology. It's a subsidiary of our group and we've got a lot of developers sitting in that team. So I'm not necessarily the guy writing the code in the back end, but you know, we give a high level expectation of what we need for this broker to function in South Africa and then we get support from a group to execute. So I mean if you look at technology Mo, you know, it needs to be robust, it needs to be scalable, it needs to be flexible. It needs to be able to support the firm's growth and support them with challenging business needs constantly. If you look at the different types of systems that we've implemented on the back end, I don't want to go into too much detail here, but you know, we're looking at client onboarding systems. So what that means is, you know, how seamless can we onboard a client? How quick can we get a client verified and trading? Looking at trading platforms, there's different versions within our trading platforms. Client wants access to mobile trading. So therefore we offer mobile trading 
cleaning solutions. We've got desktop solutions and we've got web solutions. Then there's a few other systems that we leverage that's really running in the back end. I don't want to go into too much detail on those, but you know, you're talking about order management systems, risk management systems to monitor exposures constantly, data management systems. We work with a large amount of data on a daily basis. This includes market data, trade data, client data, etc. Another important component for us is reporting uh, systems. You know, it's all about reporting. So we need to be able to report to our clients 24-7. All right, and then, you know, lastly, we really place a lot of emphasis on our security systems. We've got a dedicated cybersecurity team, and their core objective is to defend our systems and our clients' information from malware attacks, cyber attacks, etc. So those are the type of systems that we're implementing and drive. The client only sees the trading front end, right? But there's a lot of systems in the back end that works towards uh, settling trades, clearing trades, etc. I mean, it's incredibly complicated, right? And it's because it's not just a multi-asset brokerage. It's online in terms of desktop versus mobile. I mean, this is the reality, right? Clients want everything all the time. And I guess your job is to make sure they can get it. Yeah, I mean, 100% goes. At the end of the day, everything that we do is built around our customers. Your customers and employees is the largest asset for any company. So one thing I wanted to ask as a follow-up to Mo's question is just around compliance. You know, it's a highly regulated space. Licensing requirements are not simple. Um, that's one of the sort of barriers to entry for a brokerage. There obviously are a few, but I mean, from a regulatory perspective, that's one thing. South Africa is not short on, you know, despite all our bad reputations and all these issues around potential graylisting and everything else. We're actually not short on legislation in this particular space. So that must be quite a big focus area, not just for you, but the broader tribe business, you know, to make sure you're meeting those requirements, you're protecting your clients. That compliance ecosystem can't be easy. Yeah, no, 100%, Ghost. Uh, you know, uh, there are a few components that need to be considered within compliance. You know, firstly, uh, we ensure that we comply with all the regulations set out by the FSCA, right? And I mean, that includes various regulations, security laws, anti-money laundering, data protection. You know, we really prioritize the safekeeping of our client funds and securities, and we provide our clients with 24-7 access to their trading and investment statements. As I've briefly touched on, cybersecurity is a big thing that's coming to legislation this year as well. So for that reason, we've got a dedicated cybersecurity team, and they regularly monitor our systems for vulnerabilities. So we're really proactive in protecting our systems and our clients' information. Another component is record keeping. We make sure we maintain accurate records of transactions and business activities. We also make sure that we regularly report to regulators. Also, the last component and probably the most important is risk management. We've got procedures in place to identify, assess and mitigate risks. We've also got a dedicated risk management team in Europe, and we're excited to announce our newest edition of our risk manager in South Africa. And this risk management team monitors credit risk, market risk, and operational risk to ensure that there's business continuity for our clients. So these are all the steps that we take to ensure that we comply with all regulations and that we protect our clients' information and funds at all times. I want to jump in here. So, I mean, you've touched on a lot of the, the risk management. You've spoken about the systems. I want to almost zoom out a little bit because, you know, I sit up here in, in Canada. Uh, I've now had exposure to different, I guess, financial systems, 
you know, exchanges, the banking system up here. I've, I've lamented many times saying, you know, our banking in Canada for me is actually less sophisticated than banking down in South Africa. So where I want to go with this is specifically in your space, in the market space. How would you say as a business that now operates across so many geographies, you know, Tribe operates not just in South Africa, but many other geographies, many other countries. How does South Africa's local market infrastructure actually stack up to the rest of the world? You know, we always hear about the JSC being called this world-class exchange. You know, would you say that's true? I mean, we, we were in an era where just a couple of weeks ago, even the New York Stock Exchange, you're talking about risk and security. Even the New York Stock Exchange just two weeks ago had a trading glitch on opening. So these things happen. How would you say the JSE stacks up when you look at it on the basis of all of the other markets that you as tribe operate in? Yeah, sure, Mo. So, I mean, that's a very interesting question. The JSE is being called a world-class exchange. And, you know, yes, I would agree to that. The JSE has got a reputation for transparency, liquidity, and efficiency, right? I mean, they've got a strong regulatory framework, and this, in essence, provides protection to both investors and issuers. They've also have, a, in my opinion, a highly skilled workforce. And with this highly skilled workforce, they ensure smooth and efficient operations and risk management. It also depends on what criteria you use for evaluation. So if you look at market access and market infrastructure, the JSE is not necessarily as advanced as the New York Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ, the London Stock Exchange. However, they have made significant investments and improvements to enhance its market infrastructure, you know, to ultimately promote greater international competitiveness and risk management. If you look at market size and liquidity, for example, the New York Stock Exchange, the London Stock Exchange, and the NASDAQ has got much higher liquidity than the JSE, which makes sense that these exchanges are experiencing problems with their order matching systems and risk management systems. So Marius, Tribe obviously allows investors to execute on more exchanges than just the JSE. Um, I think the, you know, it's kind of the gateway to all these exchanges is, is some of the marketing wording that gets used by Tribe. And obviously that brings a whole lot of other complexities into your world. But globally, something I know from, you know, just discussions with people I've worked with and, and, and I chat to regularly, you know, some exchanges in the world are just exceptionally difficult to execute on. So I'm not talking about obviously the NASDAQ, the New York Stock Exchange, London, the easy stuff. I'm talking about the more left field things. Why is it that some exchanges globally are just so difficult to actually execute on? Is it a technology issue or is it more around custody rules, regulations, all those kind of things? So I think there's a number of components uh, to consider here, Ghost. I think there are a few exchange-related factors to consider and also technology-related factors to consider. If an exchange has got low liquidity, then obviously it takes longer to execute a trade. However, there's a number of factors to consider here. You need to look at the number of market participants. You need to look at the type of order books that's being used on these exchanges. You need to investigate the trading rules that's being used by these exchanges. All these factors can influence the impact of execution. I mean, if you consider high volume exchanges, for example, if there's high trading volumes on an exchange, that means there's more competition amongst traders, which makes it really hard to execute trades at favorable prices. So that's another component that we need to take into consideration here. And then, you know, lastly, in terms of the exchange, if you look at latency, if the exchange systems are slow, it's much harder to complete a trade. So, I mean, if you consider latency, if the 
trading execution system is not able to match a price, then by the time the trade is supposed to settle, the price has changed already. So it really all comes down to technology. If you've got proper trading systems, if you've got good market data systems and good risk management systems, the more advanced your technology is, the faster your execution with less errors. Yeah, so I mean, I'm glad you touched on the latency point. It was actually something I wanted to touch on. So I'm glad you kind of addressed that. And for for listeners that are not familiar with what latency implies, again, in a world where literally the speed of trading has escalated to literally the speed of light, the closer effectively technologically you are to the exchange, the, the faster you're able to execute. And that results in efficiency in how a market, how an exchange works, and also has implications in terms of the, the broker that you use and whether they're able to fulfill your orders, etc. So that's where latency comes in. Where I want to go with this, Marius, is that we're talking technology now, right? So in an era of high-frequency trading, algorithmic trading, and then very recently AI, artificial intelligence. That's something we just discussed last week with the team from Anbro on our podcast. We've seen AI being you know, very topical. Everyone's talking about it. So if we've touched on the other aspects, AI is an aspect I don't think we've touched on yet here. What impact do you think or do you see artificial intelligence having on the brokerage industry? Now, I'm asking this on, on two fronts. One is from the front of the clients, you know, will you potentially see, you know, hedge funds or sophisticated investors starting to utilize AI in their algorithmic, in their high frequency trading? And have you seen that? And then secondly, from a business perspective, you know, what impact do you see AI having on the operational aspects of the business? Because like I say, that may have ramifications for the likes of, you know, speed of execution and efficiency overall. Yeah, uh, very interesting question, Mo. AI is definitely one of the hottest topics in investing currently. So to start off answering your question, in terms of the business, where do I think AI plays an important role for a brokerage? I think a, a very important role that it plays is for fraud detection. It's really impossible for humans to monitor hundreds of thousands of transactions daily to pick up suspicious transactions and suspicious trading patterns. So I think with the AI element, it makes it much more comprehensive and accurate and seamless uh, to monitor all these transactions to report to regulators. Secondly, I think it plays a big role in automation for brokers. You're talking cash management solutions, portfolio management solutions, and potentially aging solutions that can be executed with AI. And then if you look at it from a customer service perspective, AI has really introduced 24 seven coverage chatbots. So, you know, in terms of customer service, your customer service can be increased with AI, but I think you also need to be cautious with implementing AI with chatbots. I mean, taking me for an example, I want to face a human. I've never chatted with a chatbot where I've received the information that I was looking for. So I think you also need to be very cautious with how much you leverage AI in different components of your business. And then in terms of the client, I've seen a lot of new interesting AI projects in the investment space, not necessarily worked on one of those projects, but there's a lot of interesting AI projects that bias towards portfolio management, trade execution signals, etc. Yeah, I think that point is well made around you sometimes just want to engage with a real person, you know, not a chatbot. I mean, ghosts are fine, but chatbots are a bit dicey. Um, and I think something that Travis made clear in a lot of the discussions we had with him is, you know, bringing back some of the magic of telephone broking a little bit, you know, and, and not necessarily just over the telephone, but the ability to speak to a broker on a desk, as opposed to everything being online and automated. So it's interesting to see Trav 
you know, trying to strike that balance. So it's kind of tech enabled, but the human element is there. Yeah, I mean, exactly, guys. Even though we do leverage technology as much as possible in our business, we also take into consideration what is it that the retail client base wants. They want to be able to pick up the phone and phone their broker. If it's logging into a trading platform, if it's statements that might not be correct, if it's anything trading related, related to your money, client want to know there's a point of contact that they can speak to a human person. So hence us implementing human client support in our business, but we also leverage chatbots in our brokerage. So it's all about finding the right balance. I want to kind of just touch on one additional point. I know we focus a lot on the kind of tech stack. What does the technology look like specifically when it comes to the equity markets? Now, I know that Tribe is actually a a multi-asset broker, you know, so you would introduce, for example, an FX component to this. And specifically, for example, the FX space, that's a completely different animal because, you know, you're not dealing necessarily with an exchange. You're dealing with market makers or banks on the other side. You know, could you maybe just tell us what are some of those additional complexities from the back end to uh, you know an observer? I ask this again as a business person, maybe not so much as a client, investor, and executor, but as a business person, what are some of those additional complexities when you're looking at the different asset classes? I know in South Africa, for example, your bond and your equity exchange are all wrapped up in the JSE, so that's fairly seamless. But like I say, when you're looking at commodities or FX or some of these other asset classes, what are some of your biggest learnings in that particular space, as well as the complexities that maybe observers from the outside might not be aware of? Yeah, sure. So I think, you know, in terms of risk management, dealing with multiple asset classes means increased risk profile for the brokerage. So effective risk management teams and systems are crucial. It's also very important to understand how to structure cash flow during each stage of the business cycle. You need to ensure that there's adequate liquidity to meet client demands, especially in the FX and the -the over-the-counter derivative space. And managing market risk really remains an ongoing challenge. In terms of uh, technology, it's vital to have the right system in place that's able to process all the trades, to settle all these trades, and to clear all these trades across different asset classes. So once again, the technology component is extremely important. And then in terms of compliance, it's all about understanding the various components of legislations for securities, for bonds, for FX, for commodities, and, you know, making sure that you are able to comply with all these requirements and report on all these requirements. So Marius, for someone who looks at this confusing world of all these different brokerages, they wonder what makes one different to the next. And obviously the easy way is, you know, pricing, you can kind of just see what a trade will cost you. Seeing what makes the technology different is kind of hard from the outside. And obviously, we've talked now a lot about the complexities and everything else. But if someone kind of shook you awake in the night and said, why is the technology inside Tribe different? And why will my customer experience benefit from that? You know, what would you tell that person? Yeah, as I've briefly mentioned earlier in this podcast, we've got a dedicated technology subsidiary called Tribe Technology. So, you know, we use technology vendors at the forefront of everything that we do. Currently, we've got two different types of Tribe accounts. We've got a Tribe investor account that's solely denominated for cash equities. We've got a Tribe trader account that focuses on derivative trading. We also offer a fully customizable platform with ultra-fast execution. And we also focus on signing up our clients and getting them verified within minutes. So you can literally trade on the same day that you sign up for account. You've got dedicated human support. Uh, We've got a dedicated trading desk that's free of charge. And, you know, I think you also need to consider the broker's approach towards longevity. Currently, we've got three legs in our business. 
It's called Tribe Investment, Tribe Credit, and Tribe Bank. And this is where the exciting part comes in. We are building towards a digital bank with our investment platforms and technology. So lately, we've bought two banks in Europe, one in Hungary and one in Italy. And our 10-year vision is to consolidate all of these platforms into one platform offering everything, multi-asset investment, loan facilities with AI credit scoring models, asset management, and investment banking. So I think if you take all those products under the umbrella into consideration, that is our main differentiator for our technology and our service offering towards our clients. So Marius, I think we've talked so much about the tech at Tribe, which is really great. One last question from me, you know, I had a look at your LinkedIn profile and Everyone is familiar with the CA qualification and the CFA qualification. And actually between myself and Mo, we'd have those two on the call. But you have the third one, which is a little bit more unusual, actually, which is CAIA or CAIA, which is around alternative assets. So between the three of us, we actually have all three here. I, I think it would just be fun for a minute or two to just explain why you went that route. For someone listening to this, always wondering, you know, what can I study to go further in the markets? It's, it's very unusual to come across someone who's done it, which is pretty cool. So I think just a minute on that from your perspective would be lovely. Yeah, great, Go. So, you know, taking myself back, you know, probably five, six years, you know, after finishing my honors degree, uh, I registered for CFA level one, but it felt like there was a lot of overlapping content with a BCom honors degree. So, you know, I really found that I'm going to duplicate what I've already done. So I found the alternative asset much more interesting. At that stage, I was working with an alternative asset management company. We were much more working with private equity, hedge funds, and alternative asset classes. We didn't focus on equities and bonds. We really focused much more on the alternative asset classes. So in that point in time, the CAIA designation made more sense for me to do. So CFA was too easy. Thank you. That's all I wanted you to say, Mo. Hope you're listening to that. Yeah, Marius, I was going to tell you, I'm going to encourage you as a CFA charter holder to now go and try level two and level three. I think you'll find a lot more value in those two levels. Uh, and, and Kai is certainly interesting. I think the, the one we're missing on the show, Ghost, is actually CTA, which is a certified technical analyst, uh, which, uh, you know, there's so much stuff out there. It's such a rich environment. Uh, but I, I think that's all we have time for this week, guys. I mean, it's really been a fun discussion with you, Marius. I think for our listeners, you know, this this shines some light into a differential aspect of markets. You know, often we're talking about trade ideas, but I think it's very important for people, whether you're trading, whether you're looking at a business in this particular sector, to understand the nuts and bolts, to understand how some of these businesses work. And again, as we've wrapped up the show, to also understand what your different avenues are from an educational perspective. Not everyone's going to have to be a CA or a CFA charter holder or a Kaya charter holder or a CTA. There's just so much out there to go and learn. And so we certainly hope that this show has actually brought some knowledge into your overall library as you continue to grow with us at Magic Markets. But Marius, from our team at Magic Markets, we'd like to thank you and the Tribe team for again availing yourselves of the show to our listeners as well. And again, we look forward to chatting to even more people from the Tribe team as we learn not just about your business, but then also some of the interesting ideas, trade ideas, the research you guys are doing in the markets that you operate in. Uh, thank you so much for being on our show this week. Thank you so much for your time, Mo and Ghost. Really appreciate it. It's great being part of the show. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll chat with you guys again soon. And a final point from me, if you are doing CFA level one and you think, oh, this is exactly what I did at Varsity, wait for level two.
Wait for level two. It is coming and it will hurt you. Anyway, moving on from all these studies, if you want to learn more about Trive and not necessarily about level two exams, uh, go check out trive.co.za. Follow them on Twitter. It's trive underscore essay. Engage with them. Brand new, very exciting brokerage in South Africa. We are grateful to them for their support of Magic Markets and for coming onto the show to share these insights with us. Go check them out. Speak to the team. They're a friendly bunch and they certainly know what they're doing. And uh, to our listeners, we'll see you again next week. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor.